This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Well, it's uh, it's good to be back. I'm uh, Michael Casey back here on the Championship Clubs Podcast and it's been a little while. Uh, but I'm looking forward to today's show. Today's show is uh, with a man who I've had the pleasure of uh, working with for a few years, sharing a couple of beers with off the field. is a an exceptionally talented rugby player and not a bad bloke overall. Currently applying his trade with Saracens. I mean, I'd stint at Wasps and been well-travelled within the Championship, particularly in the region of South Yorkshire with Doncaster Knights and Rotherham. It's Robin Bomber, his lot. Bomber, how are you getting on, pal? Cheers, Kiss. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, no, it's been a while since we've caught up. Um, and definitely a while since we've had a few beers. Um, uh, no, I'm good. It's been a strange few months, um, but, you know, slowly starting to get back to it. How's things with you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, sort of, I guess, been out of the league similar sort of time to you now. It's been a, well over a year, um, and I do miss it, and I do credit to what the lads are doing on the show. I think it keeps people abreast of stuff that's going on in the Championship, but new jobs going well, working over Manchester. So, yeah, uh, can't complain too much, can't complain at all. Let's start then, mate. You mentioned obviously it has been a it has been a I guess a wild few months for you, and I guess obviously a young family, and you, you're not too long ago moved from South Yorkshire over to the Midlands with Wasps, and now delighted to see the news of you getting the the gig at Saracens, but obviously on the back of a a chaotic time, I imagine personally and professionally. Can you like I guess first and foremost let's talk about Saracens and, and your setup down here and how that deal all came about. Obviously, I know you previously, you'll have known the guys down at uh, the Stone X having been on loan with Saracens from Doncaster back in the COVID season. But but yeah, talk us through that if you if you could, mate. Yeah, so I'm currently at Saracens. Um, that deal's only to the end of March. But, you know, I was quite one of the fortunate ones that got that fairly quickly when, when Wasps sort of um, went, went into administration. So I felt very fortunate. And um, yeah, I guess that came about by like it definitely helped having been there before um you know i feel like i went okay there last time and i feel like i've improved a lot since the last time i was there obviously playing a lot more premiership rugby and yeah just grateful um for that opportunity um got down there straight away was 24th man the first week and then started two prem games back to back which was great unfortunately got a hia and then with the way the fixtures fell for for saracens there was no real there was there was a couple of weeks off, so it was meant to be the Wasps' um, Worcester games. And then uh, we're into Europe, obviously a massively competitive squad down there. Um, but yeah, we've got back into the Prem this week, got Irish and, and back in the squad, so so looking forward to that. Good stuff, good stuff, yeah. And uh, great to see you sort of hit the ground running, as you mentioned. Probably one of the most competitive squads in the country, if not Europe, to be fighting for a place. But glad that all worked out so quickly for you. Obviously, like... As rugby fans in the media reading the fallout of both what's happened at Worcester and Wasps has been, you know, it's been it's been tough to read. Never mind to be a, a part of. In terms of how that that whole period went, as like a group of players and how the information came through to you, you know, I mean, it sounds like a shy question saying what was it like because obviously it was, it was very very challenging. But personally, what was if you can talk us through a bit of the detail on on what went through in those I guess weeks and months as uh, you're sort of left in limbo hearing things in the news and that. Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It was it was shite. Um, yeah, so we obviously there was some stuff on social media throughout the summer, and obviously Wasps haven't paid those bonds back. But like, I was still fairly new to the club. I didn't really understand a lot of that, and just sort of 
didn't really read too much into it. But then as the season went on, there was a few more whispers and stuff. And then, um, yeah, we they placed the NOI, the nominating of intention to go into administration. And when that sort of hit, it was like, right, came home, spoke to my wife and stuff. I was like, this doesn't look good at all. But, you know, hopefully it should be fine. We sort of got told that the club was looking for new investors and stuff and it might be fine, it might not be. I think everyone took that differently. Like some lads were, oh, we'll be all right. And some lads were, you know, started looking at other options then. And then um, we played Northampton, I think, on a Sunday. I actually had a couple of mates down from school. So I went out with them and there was still a lot of stuff. And then the next week we meant to play Exeter. Um, and then on the Wednesday we trained, but it was a little bit different. Like there's more sort of rumours and stuff knocking about. And then we got told we were going into administration on the Monday, so we wouldn't um, we wouldn't be playing the fixture. And then it was like, right, this is getting real bad. And then we rocked up on the Monday, and I think yeah, it was it was pretty dark. Like the first like we rocked up, and there was I went in with Tom Cruise, one of my best mates, and there was like news reporters outside the training ground. So that was a bit of a <clears throat> you know that doesn't look great to start off with. And then we walked in, and then I think even some lads were still like. We'll go into because we'd been sort of told that if you go into administration, it's not the end of the world. You can dip in and dip out, and you know it might help. But yeah, we walked in and an administrator basically told that all of us were made redundant and we didn't have jobs straight away. So it was pretty pretty brutal room, like staff, players. Um, yeah, there's quite a lot of tears and stuff. You know, didn't really know what to say to a lot of people. It was yeah, it was it was pretty dark if I'm honest. Um, and yeah, just sort of like. Hung around the training ground quite a bit, like sort of saying bye. Like I've never not seen some of those members of staff or some playing members since. Um, and then you come home to your family, and then you start sort of planning what's next. Yeah, it just sounds just utterly, utterly brutal. And like you say, it's sort of club like Was European champions. It, it just, it, it just seems sort of uh, beyond, beyond belief. Um, and like I say, I feel glad from a personal note to know that you got that that sort of deal at Saracens on, on, until March but I guess and I don't I, I, I know you're sort of quite a magnanimous character and it won't have been how you've you felt about it but obviously watching how you've gone at Wasps having watched your career since uh, you came down to the championship you know you had a hell of it you were going really really well and I guess that like, you're probably not something that you've reflected on but it must be so disheartening to, I guess, think that you know you've you've battled for so many years in the champ and got your chance, and you're smashing it in the Premiership. Did did these sort of thoughts come into your head, or was it sort of a bit low? Yeah, down I guess. In order? Yeah, I guess a little bit, but I've not really had time to think about that. Like you know, my priority is try to get a job and secure, like you know, secure life for for me and my family. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, I've got a young family now, so um, need to provide for them. But yeah, it was mass- massively frustrating. I worked incredibly hard. To get back to this level, obviously started at Edinburgh and came down to the champ and, and you know really wanted to have the opportunity to play regularly here. I feel like I went all right, like I played most weeks. Um I was really, really happy at Wasps, like great group of, of boys, good staff, a really nice area to live in. We were just about to buy a house actually, but we managed to pull out of that. So from that point of view, I haven't reflected on it too much because we need to get the future sorted. But yeah, it is it is massively frustrating. You know, you get to a big club and Ideally, you just want to do well for that club, and and hopefully, if you do well, then the contracts will take care of themselves. Yeah, well, um, let's hope so, and I'm sure that sort of with the performances that we're putting at Saracens will continue to to be the case. Um, 
Let, let's take it back a moment then. Um, obviously, this is the Championship Club's podcast and what we enjoy doing is sort of shine a bit of a light on the league and try and be positive despite the sort of maybe the opening 10 minutes of the show not being too positive at the moment. But let's <laughs> let's, let's reverse and talk about your experiences that, that took you to where you are today. Uh, of course, started up in Edinburgh uh, in the academy there. Um, obviously, I've gone through the age group set up with Scotland, captaining the Scotland under-20s and... Uh, you know, looked looked a real prospect up in the north. Um, what what was the journey like, I guess, to that point, and then the next steps that sort of saw you go from um, you know, a, a prospect in the Edinburgh Academy to obviously moving down to South Yorkshire and joining Lee Blackett's Rotherham. Yeah, so you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Edinburgh, and like I played, I think I played twenty games by the time I was twenty, and I just wanted to play pro rugby week in week out. Um, because in Scotland, if you're not playing for the pro team, you play club rugby. Um, which you know, it, there's a there is a big drop off there. I know they've sort of tried to get a semi pro league going in Scotland now, but I broke my leg and came back, and I wasn't like getting in the the Edinburgh pro team, which was massively frustrating. I was probably a bit of an impatient, um, you know, young bloke. But um, yeah, the opportunity came to go to Rotherham and play regular rugby, and I was just mad keen for that. So I went down in like December 2013 to Rod, and uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. Played every week. Um, we were all like a similar age, um, quite a, quite a successful team. We win most weeks, and uh, we'd have some good time after those wins, whether we we stayed in Rotherham, Sheffield, or whether we were on a bus trip. Um, and it was great fun. And you know, I had the option to stay there for another year, and I took that. And the plan was to to try and bounce back to either playing back in Scotland or into the Premiership. And you know, it took me a little bit longer than than I maybe I liked, but absolutely loved my time in the champ and. At Rotherham, it was great. Those first two years, the the, the first one and a bit years, and then the second year, for whatever reason, we lost quite a few players. It, it was a bit of a battle, and we sort of finished mid to low table, and then managed to get a move over to Doncaster, which was, you know, they just sort of came up and, and they'd came up, and then they'd done really well. And I think you were their case when you know they just got beat by Bristol to to win the league, uh, so it was a really exciting time to join Doncaster. Unfortunately, it didn't really work for me that season. I had a had a big operation on my neck, so I had to have a year out after that. But then, as you know, sort of came back to Doncaster and, and absolutely loved it for for three seasons after that. Before I moved on to Wasps. Yeah, amazing journey, amazing time in the champ. Um, there's a few sort of like highlights I'd I'd like to dig into. I mean, like particularly that that Rotherham side in was it would it be 2013-14 season was it? Yeah, 13-14. I joined sort of like Christmas time, and then the 14-15 year we had a good couple of years like. Couple of champ um, semi semi finals, like we fortunately lost to Bristol, but um, yeah, we had a, we had a good team and God, we had some good crack. Yeah, it really. I think looking back, that was sort of like one of the, the golden ages of recent times in Rotherham, and it was like you kind of looked. I think from an outside looking in, and I think Blackett's got to take a lot of credit for that. Sort of a lot of as you said, young lads come in from sort of various different places and sort of really. And you say that the, the team spirit that seemed to shine from that team, and then but then I mean. Looking back at that side, there's a fair few lads that have gone on to, you know, make a step up to the Premier or, or like even further, isn't there? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, you know, um, hooker wise, you had Cruzy and Ben Sowery both both playing the Prem, and then tight Ed, Tamps and Thede, uh, both playing the Prem, and then second row wise, yeah, there's loads like Barney, uh, Tom Holmes, um, yeah, absolutely loads. Juan Pablo Cicino, Jack Roberts, yeah, there's uh, Charlie McCrone. There was um there was yeah loads of lads made to step up and there's also some really good players that 
probably deserved to step up, but never quite, never quite got it as well. Uh, like Michael Keaton, Sean Scanlon. Uh, yeah. But now we were, like I say, we we're all quite young. Uh, we didn't have families, so you know there wasn't a lot else to do apart from see what Ecky Road and this, the city centre of Sheffield had to offer. Yeah, but I think it's 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 a good point, and like it's it's, it's great to like talk about this with a, with a smile on your face and stuff. But I guess. As for a lot of lads like yourself who've maybe been sort of like looked at promising, maybe been in academies and then and fallen back out. I think that that time, particularly for a front row forward, sort of into your early mid and maybe even to your later twenties, you know, if there wasn't a facility, for me, that is really where the championship proves its value is that sort of real competitive rugby. And I mean, if you look back at the the league for those years, it's sort of the sides were in it, say Bristol were a regular in that division for, for several years with the alongside the sort of the relegated premiership team, whoever came down, whether it was Welsh or Worcester, XL, Irish, etc. Um, do you think you did a lot of growing in those years in the championship as a as rugby player? Yeah, because yeah, you know, sort of feedback like any young front row player was, you know, like decent rugby player, but your scrum needs to improve. And and that was a frustrating thing for me that I didn't feel like playing club rugby in Scotland was going to help me improve. Um, and then you move to the champ in England and, you know, like every week was tough, whether you were playing Plymouth at Brickfields or like you say, playing like a Worcester or a Bristol, it, it was it was tough, you know, even like, you know, Mosley had a really good pack back in the day and stuff like that. Like even some of the clubs now that are in National 1, National 2, they were, they were full-time teams um, and had some really good players. So I'm, I definitely improved a lot um, and it was hard, like week in, week out, um, obviously playing in the Premiership now, like it, it's probably a little bit faster, but like even the champ, like every team wants to scrum for pens. Um, you know, it was proper learning curve for a young front rower. And so then, after your couple of years at Rotherham, moved over to Donny. How how did that compare as an experience? I know, um, you know, we've got a lot of champ aficionados here, and I think there's the obvious differences maybe in like Donny in terms of the facilities. But I think at the time that you moved over, the two clubs were probably on quite an even keel maybe Donny were just starting to have just start or maybe as you say it was a year after the final wasn't it so Donny just started to sort of ascend after having the year in National 1 and then maybe being towards the bottom end of the championship for a year after a couple of rough seasons yeah so the year I uh, <clears throat> I joined Doncaster they'd just been to the final and they like just missed out to Bristol so the club was on a massive high and you know like I say I think like it's it's well documented and it is like the facilities at Castle Park I think are fantastic you know the stadium um, the the pitch is 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 probably the best in the champ in, in my opinion, um, and even like the gym and stuff's pretty good. So obvious one of the facilities and the club had a bit more ambition to push on, where it felt like Rotherham were you know unfortunately due to budgets and whatnot they were sort of slipping away and because um, th- those first years I was at Rotherham it didn't really matter like that the facilities weren't great like it was um, we were just all in it together. But I guess the older you get you want to earn a little bit more money and, you know, you want to push on. And for me, I wanted to play in the Premiership. So whatever club was going to give me the best opportunity for that, I felt like Doncaster were a bit more ambitious. Mm. So that first season you were Donny, that was, did they make playoffs again? And I think lost to Irish in the semis, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I made playoffs. So um, I think I, I um, found it a bit frustrating. Obviously, started a lot of the time at Rotherham and, and Listy was, was still at Donny, who was still trucking on and, and going pretty well. So, had a good battle with him trying to like uh, start um, and then obviously I, I hurt my neck and had to have an operation in the February so I missed the back end of that season but Donny had another great year like you say made made the playoffs and 
pushed Irish quite hard. Um, so now nah, that that was frustrating having to you know be injured and then I had to have a year out. But then luckily I managed to get myself back to Castle Park after that. Obviously that injury, I remember when it happened, pal. Real, real sort of dark time for yourself. Did you ever question in that sort of like whether you were would return to full time rugby? Obviously, you, know, you went back up to Scotland. Um, talk us through that 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 sort of rehab period. Obviously, um, I know a rough a rough a rough period for you. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty dark. You know, you, you, all you've done since you left school was was play rugby. So um, to not be able to do that was tough. And you know, like um, I had to get a job. Uh, did a question when I was going to get back yeah definitely I guess I was just giving it everything to try and get back if it happened unreal if it didn't then at least I had no regrets and gave it everything so yeah luckily I managed to get back playing I think in the November December and played sort of like three four months for air um, and then uh, yeah got us all back to Castle Park was that a it was that that would be a Clive Griffith conversation then over summer how did that one work when you came back down yeah, well, he was like, um, I, I came down and met him and him and Dougie, and um, yeah, I probably I've never been the strongest in the gym, but Dougie, Dougie maybe looked after me a little bit on that medical, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I like to think I repaid him and Clive uh, after that, but yeah, like a lot of clubs would maybe not have um, took a punt on me at that point, uh, but no, Donny did, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, um, you might be too modest to say it, but I'll happily say it. I think um, definitely played the club back in spades in your performances once you once you did come back um, to to Castle Park. Um, and it, it was a bit of a funny time for the club as well, wasn't it? Obviously, we had Clive Griffiths coming towards the back end of his tenure, been a, a wildly successful, I mean, like been the most successful director of rugby at the club up until that point. Um, and so he came, and then results kind of started to go back down the other way a little bit. And Yeah, it was strange time because probably when you look at that that Doncaster side before I came like on paper compared to the team like three or four years later like the team on paper was probably better but we just couldn't quite get results for, for whatever reason you know the ambition was still there from the club and the investment that Tony and Steve were putting in was was really good um, and that is still a bit frustrating to because we, we were close as a squad you know we, like we had some really good players like Josh Tyrell TJ, Tom James, like, you know, and those, some of those core lads that were still there from the, the successful side, like Charles, Jarve, but it just, it never quite clicked. Then, in my opinion, we should have been at least in the top two, but it was always a bit of a battle to, like, get above sort of fifth, six, which was massively frustrating. But I guess that's testament to the other teams in the league. Yeah, I guess so. And then, of course, COVID came along, I think, and um, obviously kind of scuppered everyone's. Uh, uh, plans and time and uh, I, I guess there's a lot of uncertainty uh, particularly sort of within the championship which is a division that's you know obviously been through it through its hardship and I think as, we, as we've seen and obviously you're closer to than, than most people COVID seems to have had a, a pretty lasting and, and trying effect on the sport but I guess it kind of in a strange way did provide an opportunity for you um, sort of coming back out the other side when you came back to Donny and the, the first link up with Saracens yeah, so I just again like massive credit, uh, massive like thanks to Tony and Steve. I think the boys at Doncaster got incredibly well looked after, a lot better than a lot of other championship clubs. Um, and I don't mind saying that. I think a lot of people got screwed over for for one way or another reason. But again, at Doncaster, Tony and Steve looked looked after the boys, and we got furloughed. But to be fair, like that was brilliant because we weren't doing anything. And yeah, an op- opportunity came to to go to Saracens for sort of eight weeks. Um, at, at that 
time I was just doing weights with Charlie in his garage every day. So um, yeah, I was, I was keen to keeping two meters apart. I hope at all the times. Yeah. Oh, we were two meters apart the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was doing that and looking after a sausage dog that we just got. So the opportunity to get away from the sausage dog was was good. So yeah, I got down there for for eight weeks and uh, yeah, I loved it. Like. I knew I was just going there for eight weeks and coming back to Doncaster, so I didn't really have anything to lose. And I, think I played like three games and was in a pro environment and being able to train as a as a team, which was good. Um, and yeah, again, incredibly grateful for, for Doncaster to to let me have that opportunity. Then obviously we're back into the, uh, the that that sort of truncated season for the championship, which was a little bit of an odd one, wasn't it? It was just sort of like a ten game sprint at it and. Bode's first season at Donny, and not a lot of new lads coming. I guess from you, you'd have gone from being I guess, uh, well, an experienced pro, but to one of the older lads in the side, there was a lot of like young guns that came in under Steve Bowden for that that final season, and uh, it they ended up going pretty well, didn't it? I think we got a bit of a heavy defeat to Saracens at, at Castle Park. No shame in that, with all of the sort of uh, British Lions and internationals out there. But I think from from my perspective, a club, it felt like they they found a bit of a new direction there. Yeah, I think, and you know, like I think. Clive and he did a fantastic job for Doncaster, but I think the club maybe did need to move in a new direction, like I touched on earlier. Like we had a great squad, but we just weren't we were underachieving. Um and boards came in and sort of changed that changed a few things. A lot of lads left, playing members as well. And it was quite exciting. It was just frustrating that COVID had hit because we were ready to hit the ground running. And yeah, no, it was good. It was it was a strange time just going in and I think it was strange for everyone, COVID won it. But um, no, it was good to get in. And, and when we did start playing, we started off with that Championship Cup, didn't we, against Ealing and Saturdays. Um And yeah, we, we had we had a good squad. Um, I think Bodes is a fantastic coach. I really enjoyed working under him and he definitely made me a lot better as well. So um, no, it was an exciting, exciting time. It was just good to get back to playing. It had been so long uh, for a lot of lads that hadn't played and it was good to just get the league up and running as well. Yeah. And then, so let's talk about about the move to Wasps. I think in like misguided or whatever, I kind of was with the performances you've been putting into Donny for the season, sort of building up to that the the sort of last few games before you left. That a move kind of seemed inevitable. You know what I mean? It's sort of that you you were getting there, but then you, you don't know. You hear whispers and stuff. And I mean, a lot of guys, well, not a lot, but there was you know a number of lads from Donny making the step up at that point. Obviously, you mentioned TJ. You got Will Griff, John as well, who'd sort of gone up and. I can remember, I think you were winning like players, player of the year, coaches, player of the year, maybe even, but you, you sweeped up a lot of them anyway. I remember having tandem to you, but uh, it was, it kind of, and I think from the supporters as well, felt like, you know, surely a move's coming for Bomber. And then uh, obviously it did with Was Talk us through about, I might be talking bollocks, but. No, <laughs> no, like, yeah, no, like, like, I, like I said, when I came to Rotherham, the plan was to do six, seven months in the champ and try and get back up, but it took me a bit longer than that. Uh, but yeah, no, like my like even though I got older and I got back to Doncaster, my, my goal was always to play in the Premiership or, or whether that be back in the URC with Scotland. And I was trying really hard, and I guess the like I was really glad to get that move to Wasps in the end. But I think what helped was being at Saracens for eight weeks, even though like I still think I was as good a player. Like just that little bit of like uh, exposure, I think helped a little bit. And then but. It's frustrating because there's boys that are playing in the champ week in week out that they don't get that eight week opportunity, but they're just as good as rugby players. Um, that um they don't get that, so that helps. But I also found that a bit frustrating because I feel like I was doing well in the champ for a good year or so, maybe two years before that as well. But uh, yeah, the boss move came about sort of like the end of, towards that COVID season, and um, 
yeah, it was sad to leave Donny, but I was excited for what was ahead. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Obviously, it's a point that we try our best to combat by, like, you know, with this show, we, we do the championship team of the week and stuff, try and highlight those lads that seem to be to be doing uh, bits in the league that seems to be, from our perspective, criminally not only underfunded, but under underpublicised. Um, but, you know, it's also delighting when we get lads like you to come on the show to talk to us about how it has worked out for you, even if it's a little bit of a shame if it took that sort of stint in the in the in the prem to maybe I don't know earn the plaudits. I think you know Blackett was that was he seemed to be a bit uh, with his own background in the championship. You know I see like a lot of other boys from the champs seem to have gone to us under his stewardship. So maybe there are coaches that uh, are more open to it having had their own experiences. But yeah, um, so talk us through your first sort of experiences in your first season at Wasp then it what it how did it compare and contrast to the pre-seasons you'd had at Donny um beforehand yeah no it was I was massively excited to get to to get going I um had that frustrating summer where I like made the Scotland A squad and we we're going to go on tour and stuff but again Covid put an end to that um so I should have had a little bit more time off but I just wanted to get going with Wasps and Pre-season was good, it was intense. Um, everything was just a little bit quicker than what it was at Doncaster. Um, but in terms of physicality, it was it was quite similar. Uh, and yeah, like I think Lee needs a, a lot of credit. Like Obviously, he played and coached in the champ, and I think he signed me, Frosty, from mm. Pirates, and Elliot Miller-Mills from Elin. And I think all three of us went on to play loads in that first sort of season, season and, well, season and three months, what was... Um, and you know, like, just shows that the champ was doing a brilliant job, and like, there's many more players that are ready to make that jump. They just need to get that opportunity. So I guess, like, reflecting back on your time now uh, and talking about the league, you know, it's we we sit here and we talk positively about it, and I think we should do, but we're not we're not blind or daft to the fact that it, it does um, face a lot of challenges. Um, I think the most obvious and the sort of most publicised of which is is the lack of funding. Um, in your time in the league, how do you see it change? I think there's obviously, I mean, it's obvious now that there's less professional teams. Do you think that that's helped or hindered the league? I know we we talk positively about how club, clubs have cut their cloth accordingly to, you know, cope with the lack of funding. But it's not been through choice. It's been through necessity. Well, what do you think about the sort of the state of the championship now and how does it compare to how it was back in that 2013 season when you came down from Scotland to Rotherham? Yeah, well, I guess, like, you know, clubs deserve massive credit for, like, like dealing with the card they're dealt and, like, being competitive. You know, you look at Nottingham now, they're running a part-time model, but they seem to be really competitive looking at this year's results, you know, pushing sort of mid to top table. But I was speaking to Barney Madison the other week and he's obviously at Elin and, you know, it's tough every week. Like, everyone wants to beat Elin. Um, so he was saying that, but... He's, we were, I was sort of saying that like, what is the difference to what it was sort of like five, six years ago and he was like, well, when we were at Rotherham like five, six, seven years ago, everyone was full-time. Like I remember I played my first game, we played Bristol away and then my second game we played like Plymouth away like and like Plymouth were a full-time team. Like I know they're, they're now in National 1 but like all 12 teams are professional so inevitably the standard is going to be higher if everyone's got full-time environment and, and that's just due to the to the funding investment. So, you know, it's, it's sad. It's, the clubs are doing brilliantly well with, with what funding they have, but if they were funded more and they could all be full-time, I just think that would be a huge benefit to English rugby. Where you get that money from funding-wise, that's obviously above me. But um, 
yeah, like it would be unbelievable to see more teams full time because that gives more people the chance to to play full time and and to if if they're good enough and want to like push on. Yeah, I think I think it's a salient point, and I think it, it's it is fair enough. I think, like I say, clubs and the league deserve massive credit for how they've adapted to the situation. Um, you know, I think it's it's fantastic that we've sort of we haven't seen a, a champ side sort of go pop for a long time. You know, and and that invariably I think is going to maybe bring about less less full time players as there is less money. But I think the value of a, a strong second flight for the, a strong England team is is sort of unquestionable. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, if you have any, or if you've read out about the the sort of the idea of the two leagues of ten, or if you've heard any whispers, obviously out of out of Wasson Worcester, the idea that perhaps there could be a restructure that would see a Prem A, Prem B, and I know there's been development sort of with Worcester in this last week that might mean that's not going to be possible, but where those two sides would perhaps jump down and there'd be sort of a twenty-two league professional structure in in, in England. Have you have any thoughts, any insights? Yeah, I think that would be that would be unbelievable. Um, it's just who who drops down into that second league, and also who drops out of that league completely. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some good champ sides, you know, like London Scottish and stuff. Like who who drops out of that? But if you had two full time leagues of of ten ten say, like in Wasps Worcester were in that, um, you surely you'd be able to get a TV deal for that. Sort of like the model in France where the Pro D do stuffs got a TV deal and that would obviously hopefully bring some more funding to your teams like Coventry, Doncaster, Jersey and, and they could have a real shot at trying to to move up because I know from my time at Doncaster like Steve and Tony pretty switched on businessmen they were like it doesn't make any sense for us to push to go up but if that was not the case and you know your Coventries and your, your Jerseys and Elan could properly go for it with, with um, not being worried about the financial repercussions how exciting that would be um, so from my point of view as a player like that would be class and I think relegation is a good thing obviously no one wants to get relegated but that excitement that brings and the promotion um, I think it would be brilliant from a player's point of view and I think from most people that would want to watch it would, would be would get behind that who drops down and stuff and how you sort that out that obviously needs a bit of sorting but it, it sounds pretty positive from, from me Yeah no, I agree it is tricky I guess you've you guess you go 13 into 11 bottom from the Prem come down and then I think it is as you say where do you draw the line in, in, in the champ for who sort of drops out of that because you've got a lot of proud historic and uh, and, and fantastic tr- traditional rugby clubs there Um, I think they did back in the day restructure the old national one from 16 teams to 12 and there was a lot of teams that just kind of unfairly got got axed and maybe have never sort of come back up to the level that they were previously so I agree it's, it's probably something that wouldn't end up being there I guess you'd have to make it real clear at the start of the season, if you finish in the championship in the bottom bottom four, then, then you will drop down to the national one. It just has to be fair and those clubs have to be given the opportunity. But I also, I don't know what you think, but like, it be, surely it would be really exciting for national one clubs as well if they could push on to, to get into that top 10. And, you know, it's great to see like teams like Caldy, I coached against them when I was at Sheffield Tigers. They're now a championship side, but, it used to be a big, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it used to be a big carrot for those sides to come up because the funding they got for playing in the championship was 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 big. Like those clubs can help go, and even if they have to go up and come back down, the investment they can put that funding into their mini and juniors and stuff. That's that's only got to be positive for the game. 
Yeah, I think so. I can, I can certainly remember sort of like when Richmond first came up because they kind of hardly stuck with that part-time model, but the funding was more like 600 grand to like the 130 it is now. And that was that was huge for them. And I think, as I say, I think you've, you've nailed like a really salient point there about it has to be clear at the start of the season. And I think having worked like with administrators within the championship and stuff like that, that's one of the frustrations where the clarity on the future has always been a bit murky. And I don't, I don't think it's refined just to the championship. I think professional rugby for various good reasons, not good reasons, but understandable reasons, maybe does lack clarity sometimes. I think, you know, the idea even now that there's championship directors of rugby and, and owners are planning for next year, not knowing who's going to be in the league and how many teams is, is hard. And I think, you know, you'll go back to the time when you were at Doncaster when, whether it's Bodes or Clive, trying to build his squad for next year and they don't know what the funding's going to be until end of February or something like that. And I think that's something that's got to change. But like you say, if you could have sort of some guidelines and rules that were set up for the next season where everyone knew where they stood, it would it could create a problem. I think two teams, two leagues of 10 with promotion and relegation um, on the table, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a really exciting product. And I think as awful as it is for the for the guys, including yourself, from the sides that have obviously fallen on hard times, you can't argue that if you were to put a Worcester and a Wasp into the championship, it would put eyeballs on that league just by the size of those and the historic sort of nature of those big clubs. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I just, obviously as a rugby fan in general, I just think that would attract so much interest. You'd surely get a TV deal um, and if it was condensed, then like you say, like I'm talking about every team being part time, uh, full time. Sorry, but if if a part time model works, you know your Richmonds and I know Bedford are sort of in between. Then, if even if they stick with that model and they've got more fun, then it's only going to be a benefit, and and they can be more competitive. Yeah, that's it. Let's let's see if anyone listens to our pod. Um, so bomb. So for you, then, mate. Obviously, you've got the the next three months at Sarries. Um, what else is is going on? Are you, are you looking beyond that? I know when you're up at Donny, you're always sort of very proactive with your extracurricular stuff. You had the Rex hats going on. You were doing the coaching at Sheffield Tigers. Are you uh, you still sort of keeping your avenues away from rugby very sort of active? Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, um, tried to be as proactive as I could. But I guess in, until you've got a job lined up to walk into, you, you always feel a little bit underprepared. So, um I feel like I've still got a lot to offer rugby-wise. I'm, I'm still playing some good rugby, so um, I want to keep playing rugby. Um, if the if the offer is you know it's it's right for my family, that's what I want to do. But I am looking at stuff outside of rugby because you know there's there's much better rugby players than me that haven't been offered contracts and stuff. So um, again, massively into my coaching. But if the last like few months have told me anything, like coaching's almost more um, unstable than playing. So. Um, I'm looking at some sort of sales options. Like I say, I've done the Rex Club stuff for, for a good while now. Um, and, you know, I'm quite interested in maybe going into medical sales. So I'm going to start a course on that in, in January. Um, and hopefully that leads to something. But hopefully I don't need it for a good few years yet. Yeah, I was just going to ask then, Bob, as well, with 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 Wasp then, obviously with everything that's going on, there's still a lot to be worked out. And obviously, as we know, you've still got plenty of top class rugby to, to give. Is is there an option to go back to us? Has there been any discussions around that? Or um is that is that still something that, you know, you it, it, it's it there needs to be more sort of water to go into the bridge before they start talking about next season and player contracts? Yeah, I think so. But um for me personally I've I've not really heard anything from the club since since I've left. But um obviously follow the news uh, very closely and it's class to see that the club's gonna be um it's been bought over and, and they are going to be a championship club. 
But I think there's so much to sort. Like there's not any staff apart from Pudsey the kit man. Uh, so um, and what that looks what look looks like from a budget because we all know, like, I think Premiership teams, you know, you know, everyone's from an outside thinks, oh, if they get a Premiership squad, they'll, they'll smoke the league. But even being at Saturdays just now, who've probably got one of the best squads, like you said, in Europe, they found the Championship very very difficult. So I think for Wasps um, and hopefully Worcester get sorted as well. For them to put a squad together from scratch and win the league, I think it'll be very, very tough. But um, I've not heard anything personally. You know, I enjoyed my time at the club, um, and and we'll just see what happens. But I think there's there's so much to sort out, like with off field staff, on staff, where they're going to play and stuff. But it is massively positive that that it looks like they are going to be a club in the championship. Mate, thank you very much for coming on and spinning these yarns with us. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. Um, and yeah, look forward to seeing you playing this season and uh, and for many seasons more. Yeah, cheers, pal. Good to catch up. Hopefully, maybe pop up to Castle Park and we can watch a game together for once. Yeah, that'd be good. Enjoy that, mate. Cheers, pal. Thank you. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. 